0: recovery elevator episode 126
1: that's been kind of one of my goals is just to be present be there be involved really pay attention to everything and live rather than just kind of skate through and wait for two years to go by and wonder where they went
0: welcome to the recovery elevator podcast my name is Paul thank you so much for joining us According to the Recovery Elevator sobriety tracker on my phone, I've been sober for 1,034 days. On today's podcast, we've got Leah. She's been sober for 19 days and she's from Virginia. It's a great interview, so I encourage you to listen to the whole thing. Before we get any further, I want to thank Kathy vaughn Lintel for doing a great job on the show notes for six months. And I'd also like to welcome Randy Ramsey to the team. He's been doing show notes for a couple episodes now. He's doing a great job. Randy was interviewed on the podcast about 15 episodes ago, I believe. Anyways, we are ecstatic to have you, Randy. Welcome to the team. And before we get any further, let's hear from Cafe Ari. Before I got sober, I felt alone. It felt like I was the only one in the whole world who found it extremely difficult to stop drinking once I had started. With Cafe RE, I now know I'm not alone. In fact, there are so many people all around this world just like me. In Cafe RE, for $12 a month, I get access to a private, unsearchable Facebook group where I can connect with other like-minded individuals, meet with them face-to-face in several weekly live webinars and meetings, I can get paired with an accountability partner who has a similar sobriety date as mine, I can attend in-person meetups and attend exclusive sober trips to places like Costa Rica. If there's one thing I've learned in sobriety, it's that I can't do this alone. Go to recoveryelevator.com and use the promo code elevator for your first month free. Again, use the promo code elevator when signing up for your first month free. I like to start this podcast episode off with an Amelia Earhart quote, the most effective way to do it is to do it. And there was something in my life that I drastically had to do that was quit smoking. When I volunteered at Hope Rehab in Thailand this past January, I had the brilliant idea to have a cigarette. That led to one to two to five to packs. You get the point. And after throwing away packs cigarettes saying, this is my last cigarette. And then the next day driving to the gas station buying more cigarettes, behavior completely parallel to when I was drinking, I realized it was time to stop. And I was kind of hot when I penciled out this episode. I was because Quitting smoking was not easy, and I wanted to punch Alan Carr in the seat. I read his book, The Easy Way to Quit Smoking, and there was a couple of people who told me, yeah, it's not that bad. And so here's a couple takeaways that I'm going to apply to alcohol. Again, this is an alcohol podcast, but addiction is addiction, and it's all a bitch. Let me tell you that. So I'd rather tell you that quitting drinking is hard, and I'd rather you email me and say, hey, Paul, you were wrong. It wasn't that bad. I'd rather do it that way and prepare you for the worst. Because I went into quitting smoking saying, ah, you know, I'm, I'm not that bad. I've only been smoking for five months. But wow, it was absolutely terrible. And I'm not through it yet. As I record this, it's day 14. And I know I can't keep it a secret. I need to talk about this and create accountability. So here's some notes that I jotted down about quitting drinking. Now, if you're still drinking and wanting to quit, this podcast episode is especially applicable to you. And again, I want to prepare you for the worst. Quitting drinking is hard. Probably the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. It's like jumping off the high dive when you're a kid, except you do it every single day. And that high dive is about the size of the Empire State Building. But each jump, it gets a little lower and it gets a little easier with time. But I want to prepare you for the worst. So you're not listening to the podcast being like, yeah, that Paul Churchill guy's full of shit. This is really hard. I'm telling you right now. This is going to be hard, and staying sober sometimes can be hard as well. It can also be incredibly rewarding depending on the program that you're working, but it's hard. Positive life change is not easy. So here we go. Here are a couple things to keep in mind while you embark on this journey, and these can be applicable to any addiction that you're facing today. Number one, alcohol is shit. It's that simple. It's total, total shit. Beat that into your brain. Alcohol is like two thirds of Nicolas Cage's movies. Next thing is your best friend is a jackass. And my best friend was alcohol for a really long time. Again, beat this one into your brain. Alcohol is not your friend. Start drafting that Dear John letter ASAP and depart yourself from this toxic relationship. Next one is stop drinking cold turkey. If you're thinking about doing a taper strategy, this is usually how it goes. Taper off. Taper off, taper off, on, then taper off, then on, then on, and on, and on, and it's back to the races again. It's just got to be cold turkey. You just got to stop drinking. Rip the Band-Aid off. You're coming off a drug that is extremely addictive, just as, if not more addictive than heroin, crack, meth, nicotine, and cocaine. You don't hear many people successfully tapering off any of these other addictive drugs, especially nicotine. Just went through that. You just got to do it cold turkey. Another thing would be to toss the booze, get rid of it, get it out of your house, especially if you want to quit drinking or you're in early sobriety. Don't fight it yourself. At this moment, you're not stronger than your addiction. If you were, you probably wouldn't be listening to this podcast right now. Next thing, one day at a time. Wow, Paul, you've got to be some recovery guru with an IQ higher than Albert Einstein. But seriously, one day at a time. I made the mistake in my first go at sobriety of telling myself, I'm never going to drink for the rest of my life. But today, on July 7th, all I can tell you, I'm not drinking for today. That's something I can stomach, I can handle, and I'm going to be just fine with that. This next one is imperative. Thinking must be flipped. Quitting drinking is 100% an opportunity to get a kick-ass life back, not a sacrifice. You are not missing out. There's that FOMO thing, fear of missing out. When you're drinking, you're going to be missing out of a lot of things because you could be blacked out. You could be in a jail cell. You're going to be sleeping the day away with a hangover. You're not missing out anything. So it's very important that thinking is flipped and recovery, sobriety, a life without alcohol is an opportunity. Oh, yeah. So this whole addiction thing, it's about doing things you don't want to do. I purposely avoided a camping trip because I knew people would be smoking cigarettes and doing chewing tobacco at this camping trip. Of course, I wanted to go on this camping trip, but my goals do not coalesce. They do not go together. I probably cannot go to this camping trip and successfully not smoke a cigarette. So if you're trying to quit drinking and your friend Roger invites you to his bachelor party in Miami, look, it's probably not the best of an idea to attend a bachelor party. No matter how cool of a dude Roger is, and he sounds great next thing cranberry juice drink some cranberry juice you want to get that alcohol out of your system as fast as possible the more acidic your urine is the faster the chemicals will leave your body maybe it's only by a few hours but hey withdrawing from alcohol sucks and even those couple hours back are really going to help next thing i did when i quit smoking was i put pen to paper i wrote down a list of the opportunities the pros and then the cons the shitty responses that i get in life from that negative behavior Feel free to add to that list as the journey continues as well. Next thing is don't worry about your weight. I see this a lot in cafe RE. People are sober for four days and they see that they've gained half of a pound or they've lost half a pound. It doesn't matter. At this point in your life, don't worry about the weight. Maybe at month six in sobriety, you might want to step on a scale and, and then address those goals. But you've got a pretty big beast that you need to put back in the cage. And that's not the weight thing. Don't even worry about that. Tackle it one thing at a time. Next thing is do yourself a favor and schedule personal time for exercise. Very important. So what happens when life happens? Do you need to take a drink? Will a drink pay your cell phone roaming charges? Will a drink make your neighbor Rick less annoying? The answer is no. Wait, I take that back. A drink will probably make Rick temporarily less annoying, but then he's going to come back full force and be really annoying keep in mind that life happens and our coping skills muscle is full of air. We need to build our coping skills muscles back up and learn to get through these life occurrences without a drink. Call a spade a spade. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an addict. You might be saying, whoa, I'm not a drug addict. Well, alcohol is a drug, a very dangerous drug. You're an addict. I was an addict 100% and I still am if I drink today. You know, I guess one bonus of quitting smoking is I went through the gauntlet of addiction again. There's the ism, the incredible short memory, and it's been almost three years since my last drink. So, I guess if I'm going to be doing a podcast, I want to be versed on this stuff and go through it with first-hand experience. And oh, the cognitive dissonance, how I missed you. Kidding. It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. The internal debates that I had with myself over smoking. Uh, I remember it very clearly now what it was like when I was drinking. You know, you wake up and say, Nope, I'm done for good forever. And then five minutes later, that's, that's all you want. It's frustrating. Be kind to yourself. Tell yourself that these conversations are going to happen. You are not the one talking. You are the one listening to that internal voice. That's all it is. There's this internal voice. You don't have to act on it, but it's going to chirp your fricking ear off. Like I've mentioned several times in this episode already, this is going to be a tough journey and you need to treat yourself. If you want professional bass fishing equipment, go ahead and treat yourself to it. Be prepared to do things that you don't want to do. You might be saying to yourself, I really want to quit drinking, but I really don't want to go to an AA meeting. There are many ways to get sober without AA, but you get the point. One probably is not going to happen without the other. Don't make it easy to fail for yourself. Tell someone, be accountable. Accountability is the underlying theme of this entire freaking podcast. I highly recommend you educate yourself. One of my favorite books is This Naked Mind by Annie Grace. There's another one called Beyond the Addiction by Catherine Ketchum. Oh, yeah. And check out the backlog of Recovery Elevator podcast episodes. Now keep this in mind, not all is lost if you do relapse. Sure, you're starting back at day one with your continuous sobriety clock, but that's about it. You've started to build and flex those sobriety muscles. Last thing I jotted down was celebrate. If you made it four hours, then F yes. Nice job. This is tough. Celebrate the milestones and be happy with your progress. And enough out of me. At this time, I'd like to welcome Leah to the podcast. Leah, how are you?
1: I am fine. How are you doing?
0: I'm great. Thanks for asking. Leah, let's get right into this. How long have you been sober?
1: Well, according to the new Recovery Elevator Sobriety Tracker on my phone, <laughs> I've been sober for 19 days.
0: Sweet. Congratulations. You almost got three weeks. How's that feel?
1: It feels pretty darn amazing.
0: And what's the date? Not today's date, but um, your sobriety date.
1: <laughs> I had my last drink on June 3rd at like 1.30 in the morning, so... June
0: 4th. Nice. Good job. Yeah. And before we get any further, give listeners a little background about yourself, maybe where you're from, what you do for a living, how old are you, are you married, and what do you like to do for fun, Leah?
1: Absolutely. Well, before we started talking, I actually had to do the math because I always forget how old I am, but I am 34. And I have been married since 2010. Uh, we're coming up on our seven-year anniversary next Monday. I have a almost six-year-old daughter and a two-year-old son. And I'm from Virginia. And for fun, I'm still figuring that out because I have spent the last decade drinking. Not really sure what I do for fun, but I've kind of started to concentrate on figuring out what it is that I'm actually doing with my life. Looking into nutrition and Researching a lot of sobriety stuff, and that is fun for me right now. So I'm kind of investing myself in that.
0: Hey, if recovery is fun for you right now, ride that wave. Just keep on going.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it it is, and I love it.
0: Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that at all. Perfect. Now let's back it up a little bit, Leah. When did you first realize that? Perhaps, man, I I got a drinking problem.
1: Well, I grew up with drinkers. My dad is in his 70s, almost 80, and he will still get wasted, like fall off a stair on the way out of the restaurant wasted. He's kind of floated down, but that made it normal for me. So growing up, I would watch him pass out at the table at like 7 o'clock in the evening, and that was just like what my parents did. That was normal. So I think it took me a really long time to realize it was a problem. I had my kids, and I was obviously sober through my pregnancy with them but as soon as they were born i was like wine please bring me beer in the hospital let's go it's party time again mm-hmm. i didn't drink in the hospital but i thought <laughs> about it <laughs>
2: uh, <A tragedy. laughs>
1: and i think it really hit home over the last two years the divide between drunk and sober was getting shorter and shorter and what, I do, you, what do you mean by that def- like i went from drunk to a different state of mind i would go to bed drunk wake up not drunk but not really normal either
2: mm.
1: like foggy like i was looking through the world through a screen door disconnected from everything
0: so it was almost like you, you weren't ever sober
1: sort of i mean i guess it was hungover, but i had never felt it didn't feel like hungover to me you know there was no nausea there was no it was either the lack of alcohol in my system needing it or mm-hmm. it was just kind of deficient in other areas, probably nutrition and just not living well. And I couldn't ever get out of that little funk and fogginess until I got home and drank again. And then it was like, oh, okay, I'm clear again. And when I realized that that was the only way I could get that fog to go away by drinking again, I was like, this, this is not how people are supposed to be living. <laughs> no. No, they are. I should feel good. <laughs> yeah. But and then, um, then
0: did you reach the point, Leah, where you know, you you take your magic tincture called alcohol and then it didn't uh, work? Did you get to the point where even that didn't
2: work?
1: In a different way it didn't work because it also grew into depression and stuff like that. It would it would clear that fog, but then I'd enter drunk. And it happened really fast because in order to get rid of that fog, I was like, I need to chug this glass of wine. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And my glass was a, like, red solo cup (laughs) filled to the top, you know? Yeah. Uh And it was like walking the door down that, okay, now I feel better. It wasn't to relax. It was to feel normal again.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: But then I'd very quickly go from feeling normal to feeling, oh, it is only 630 and I am drunk. And how am I going to get through the rest of my night?
0: Sure. Got kids, you got to feed and be a, you know, be a wife and a family member. And that's, that's tough to do. And I I, I, thank you for clarifying that. I've said this on the podcast, a bunch in that sobriety and being drunk, it, it, it's a matter of life and death. And I don't want to go that dramatic with it, but it's a matter of life and death as in you're not living is, is I know exactly what you mean now because I wasn't living for, for anything. It was just this, yeah, I was breathing air in between times of when I was drinking or not. And it's it's really miserable to just, you know, be sober Absolutely. but at the same time you're like, wait a second, I'm not even alive right now.
1: Yeah, you're just waiting for nothing. And the only thing that you have to look forward to is like feeling a little maybe happier because you drank something. Yeah. And it's especially hard with kids because you feel like you should be super invested and present and that wasn't happening with me. I was kind of just like, "Uh uh-huh, yep, yeah, and hoping they wouldn't call me on not really being attentive. Like, I mean, they weren't in danger or anything, but I wasn't really listening to what they were saying. I was thinking about myself and other things. That's been kind of one of my goals is just to be present, be there, be involved, really pay attention to everything and live rather than just kind of skate through and wait for two years to go by and wonder where they went.
0: Absolutely. The interview I did this morning, that was kind of the underlying theme that came out of it It was is clear, you know, present and being in the moment. And with 19 days of sobriety, have you noticed an uptick of being mindful and and being present in the moment?
1: Absolutely. I'm I'm there for things. I kind of looked at I, I felt like I wanted to give a little spin on my story as like a mom, because it's kind of hard to have moms admit that they're an alcoholic, because that's so unacceptable. So when I spin it as a mom thing, I hope people can apply it to their lives as well if it, if that's not where they are. But as a mom, I would watch other moms be like, oh, I'm going to go do this and this and this, and we did this this weekend. And after we did that, we went to a party for the kids, and we went to some swimming, and we went hiking. And I was like, "Ooh, that sounds exhausting. And when did you <laughs> drink when you did that? Yeah. And now I'm like, hey, let's wake up. Soon as the kids get up, let's go hiking. Let's drive an hour to go to this place we've never been and take them to this great place and show them things and let's go for a walk. Let's go for a run. I took my two-year-old running the other day. That would not have been something I did before. i kids listening run at age two or do you
0: have to like put, put them in a wagon? Mine a wagon does. A <laughs> no, that's pretty cool. Mine
1: ran for a mile. It was insane. That's incredible. Um, <laughs> he's kind of an energizer bunny. you know, listening to my daughter, having conversations with her, asking, I mean, I used to ask her questions, but when she'd give me an answer or if she wasn't in a good mood and didn't want to conversate with me the way I wanted to, I'd be like, fine, um, moving on. I was (laughs) grumpy and unable to live on other people's terms or deal with them. It's just so much better now. I'm Able to be there and want to be awake for everything.
0: I want to back it up a little bit, but you just said something that I want to dive a little deeper into. You said you live on other people's terms. What does Mm. that mean for you?
1: I always wanted things to be my way. Like, I didn't want to be inconvenienced. I didn't want to be taken away from my free flowing tap of wine box. I wanted not to be bothered with anything that wasn't directly in front of me and involved me. Super selfish.
0: We tend to be so. very selfish. <laughs> a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. And you did the phrase we hear a lot in recovery, especially in the rooms is life on life's terms. And it was this failure of my control of other people, my surrounding environments that, you know, gave me the case of the efforts. It. Like, yeah, effit. it. I'm, I'm drinking. Can't control the weather, the people. Yeah. And oftentimes I can't even really control myself. That that's hard at the same oh, time. Yeah and yeah so that's got to be refreshing i bet it feels good to to kind of relinquish that control of others and you're know, not letting that force you to drink and but let's back it up a little bit more you know 19 days ago or what was it yeah 19 days ago was mm-hmm. did something happen was that a rock bottom moment or was this something that's been building up for a while that you know you wanted to quit drinking
1: it's been building up and i never wanted to quit drinking I wanted to change my life to accommodate my drinking. <laughs> I've heard I... that before. So I didn't <laughs> want to quit
0: drinking; I just kind of had to.
1: Yeah, I. I mean, I have, for the last two years, I've been going through. Uh, we have had a bunch of personal stuff happen in our lives: surgeries, my daughter broke her femur. Whoa. We moved a lot. <laughs> just so much stuff. Like to the, I gave up owning a business. Just so much personal stuff that. I was like, okay, I am not the person I want to be. And I was failing in so many areas of my life and also going through all these other stressors. And it started to impact my happiness. And I was like, I'm depressed. Okay, I'm going to take medication. Mm, My medication isn't working. I need a different one. I'm grumpy with everyone all the time because I've gone through all these hard things. And if anyone pointed out that I might have a fault, I'd be like, well, it's this thing's fault. And never once would I point to my drinking, even though the drinking was the constant through all of it. Sure. So I would try to change everything around me. And then when I got out of all of that and I realized maybe it was me, I started to try to change everything about me other than my drinking (laughs) and then narrow it down even more when those things didn't work, I was like, okay, well, drinking's all I've got left here as a problem. Maybe that was the source of it. So you, so you pretty much
0: did the elimination diet till all you had left was alcohol.
1: Yeah. And on top of that, I was, you know, starting to drink earlier and earlier. And on the weekends, I held off as long as I could. And sometimes that was noon. So oh. that was just unacceptable, just unacceptable. So it wasn't a rock bottom. It was just all of that stuff combined with that fogginess I felt every day. I just felt like a tornado. I didn't know where anything was. I couldn't remember anything. My vision wasn't right. I would see like on on my peripheral vision, I would see like flashes and I'd be like, what was that? Nothing is there. Okay. That's not normal. My brain chemistry was all messed up and I just felt wrong. I felt bad. I bruised too easily. Since I stopped drinking, I don't have any bruises on my body right now for the first time in like 10 years.
0: That's a
2: win.
1: And normally, <laughs> normally I'd be covered in them. mm mm-hmm. uh, But the night before I stopped drinking, so at like 2 o'clock in the morning on June 4th, I was sitting and I was like, how did I get this drunk again? Again. It's 2 o'clock in the morning. I should have been in bed hours ago. My kids are going to be up early. Mm-hmm. My husband's passed out in bed already. And I'm just like, I'm sick of it. I'm tired of this. And I drafted this really long text message to my husband. And within the text message, I was like, I'm probably not going to send this because if I send this, it makes me accountable. And tomorrow I might be sober. (laughs) Yeah, right? Tomorrow I might be sober and be like, you know what? It wasn't that bad. I can try again today. I won't drink as much.
2: Mm -hmm. But I knew.
1: Yep, I knew. I knew as soon as I sent it, I would have somebody else Making me pay attention to it, and I wanted to make, remain in control, so I didn't send it, but I saved it. <laughs> yes, okay, the you didn't. Day, you didn't send it. Okay,
0: <laughs> you saved it though. I didn't right. send it. <laughs> and
1: <then what> <laughs> I saved it. Yeah. The next day, I joined this app called Silver Grid. I mm-hmm. had done a whole bunch of research before, and I've been listening to you for, oh gosh, I don't know, six months probably. Well,
0: thank you for listening. Um,
1: yes, I love it. It's the number one thing that has kept me on track.
0: You're sweetheart, um, Leah. Thank you.
1: <laughs> so I'd been doing a whole bunch of research before, and I kind of had an inkling that I needed to do something about this. And it just ramped up in me until that 2 o'clock in the morning text message, and I was just angry at myself. So that was my bottom, but it wasn't like get arrested or, you, you know, I don't know, wake up in a dumpster asleep on a pizza or something like that. It wasn't anything crazy or bad. It was just... I was furious with myself for the way that I was treating myself and everyone else. And so the next day, I took that text message and I posted it on Sober Grid. And that was kind of my, like, jump into accountability. And then I started—I didn't drink that day. I was like, I am i can't. I was hungover that day. But I. from that day, I started doing more. I took my daughter to a little stick horse race. I took my kids to the river and— I want to go to a stick a horse race. It was hilarious. Yeah, it for kids or adults? Well, it was for kids, but the adults did it too. It was pretty, pretty funny.
0: I'm not allergic to stick and... horses, by the way.
1: <laughs> they don't, they don't uh, make you want to die, right? <laughs> no, I don't
0: think so, at least. That'd be a bad joke if they did.
1: <laughs> so that's it. Was, that was my bottom, was just getting so mad at myself that I couldn't ignore it anymore. And I didn't drink the next day. I didn't even tell my husband that I wasn't drinking. He thought that I was drinking. I finally told him that I wasn't going to, like, three days later. And he was like, you mean you weren't drunk yesterday? I was like, nope. Uh, I haven't had anything (laughs) since.
0: (laughs) Wait, wait, wait. You've been sober for these last three days? I had no idea.
1: (laughs) That's the worst part. No one ever knew when I was drunk.
2: Yeah.
1: I used to joke that I was trained really well. Like, my parents raised me to be a drinker, you know? Mm Mm-hmm. I could hide it. I could drink men under the table. I was always the last one standing.
0: And so how did your husband was, take this, though? Did you, I mean, is he still, is he on board fully? With, did you ever read him that text message, or is it just like, oh, Leah's going through this thing where she's not drinking?
1: <laughs> um, I sent it to him. Eventually, I, I did send it to him. And he is on board. He's very supportive. He doesn't bring alcohol in the house. I have gone and gotten it for him. I, will, I offer to. He doesn't ask me to. I don't know why it's not hard for me yet. I'm sure it will be, but as of right now, I'm I'm just so angry at it that it I have no interest in it. So he's on board for me. He's not on board for himself. He does not think that he has an issue. I would say by everyone else's definition, he does. But he also has the ability or has had in the past the ability to stop. And it was me who did not support that because I didn't want to be alone in it. Sure. So he would quit and I would say, what? Come on. You can't leave me here.
0: Nice job, mm-hmm. <laughs> <Way to go>. <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> Even through that, he he made it for like two months one time until finally he was like, "Fine, we're going out to the fancy dinner. I'll have a, I'll have something." Do so you think buy, you might be me.
0: a trailblazer in sobriety here with within the family? Do you think he might follow suit? Mm,
1: he's cutting back, and I think maybe it is kind of a hard thing for me. And I've told him this; it's hard me to be sober and watch him be drunk because drunk people are silly like they indeed you know their eyes squint a little bit they wobble back and forth it's just it's not as much fun to watch it from the other side as it was to be with them
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: yeah. And, and so what was it like the first you know 24 hours 48 72 hours you know did your did your brain was it mind playing tricks on you was it hard physically what was it like
1: it wasn't hard physically. I had thought over the course of um, probably the last year that I was physically dependent because, oh, that was actually no oh shit moment for me. I would wake up and my hands were shaking. And I'd be like, oh, frick.
2: <laughs> Uh-oh. <head." laughs> Red flag.
1: <laughs> yeah. It never, you know, forced me into like, I need to take a drink right now or anything. It was like, oh, I need to drink less tonight, which never happened. I didn't have any physical issues. I had a habit you know i had to kind of create a new habit for myself i was used to my routine of getting home from work or getting off work picking up kids coming home heading straight to the wine box i had to find something else to head straight for so i i had listened to or read i can't recall what it was that i got this from but a lady was used to drinking and she was used to cooking while drinking wine and she said she has switched to coffee. So she has coffee while she does those things. So I was like, coffee. I like coffee. Let's try that. And it has helped. It's, you know, it's warm. It's relaxing. It's comforting. And it kind of reminds me of my mornings. And my mornings are very nice and, like, relaxed and instead of the night and routine. So to kind of mix things up for me. So I would just substitute things where I used to be drinking. I'd drink something different. Or I started running just anything to fill my time. I've started doing things with the kids after daycare and school pickup instead of coming home where I might be tempted to fall into a habit. So yeah, it's hard to get through that little craving, but it hasn't really hit me more than like once a day, I would say. And that statistic that you often give of 20 minutes to get through a craving is pretty accurate, I would say. I went out to our favorite bar. We go every Tuesday for trivia, which would you would think would be torturous, but <laughs> I got a glass of water, and I went to the gym and I looked in the mirror, and I was smiled and jumped up and down. I was like, ah, I did it. I'm just having water, and it feels great.
0: Nice job. You said something earlier where it's a lot of habits. You know, we need to break a bunch of habits you know that's part of why getting sober is so hard it's just a simple habit of walking in the door going straight to the wine box and boom but you're replacing those habits and each time we reinforce those new healthy habits it just gets a little easier and so you have experienced cravings you said about once a day right and you know what what do you Mm -hmm. do when those when those will come
1: well i think kind of it starts before the craving hits for me so the way that i keep it more at bay or easier to kind of shut off uh if i'm driving and my kids aren't in the car and sometimes even if they are i'll put one earbud on while i drive and let them listen to something else i listen to you i listen to you you I too to i love you too on, <laughs> i listen to oh, you meant, your you meant, on oh, my
0: podcast gotcha <laughs>
1: Sorry. to uh you know i'll listen to them on repeat if i've heard it before but i like that one i'll go back to it I've I've tried a couple other podcasts. They don't quite catch me. They're a little bit boring for me. And I will listen to or I'll I'll read throughout the day if I get kind of a a low or a lag in my what I'm doing. I'll find something to read that kind of keeps me refreshed. I'll get in contact on Cafe R E or I will use Silver Grid or I will actually contact my brother-in-law who. In six days he six days ago reached out for help
2: Oh wow! Um,
1: and
0: did, did he reach check out in with him because he knows you don't drink
1: he didn't know but my husband had told a friend of ours who is my brother-in-law's boss and my brother-in-law reached out to him and he told my husband and my husband kind of passed along that yes I would be available and so I reached out to my brother-in-law and said hey what do you need I'm here I offered to go. I haven't been to any meetings yet. It's actually super hard for me to find a time where I can with two kids. And my husband works like 15-hour days. Mm -hmm. So I haven't gone to meetings, but I was like, I'll get a babysitter. Let's go to a meeting. Mm. Uh, Whatever, I'm here and let's go. He didn't take me up on it right away, but he has gone to a meeting himself since then. And I've told him to listen to you and he has started. He's kind of like, he's kind of using himself into it. But it felt really good to have someone that I'm like, ooh, I'm just a few steps ahead of you, I can help you with it. I can give you encouragement. I can give you the resources that I've found that worked for me. and since I know you, I kind of know what works for you or what what might work for you, what you like. I felt I checking in with him. So back to the cravings and getting through them is that I build up my like armor throughout the day by listening, by talking, by reading, And just kind of keeping it all in the forefront of my mind. And then when that craving hits, I go, okay, here it is. Let's be logical about this. What would happen if I drank that? I would get really drunk really fast because I'm going to drink it really fast because I want to get drunk. Mm -hmm. And then I would get another one and another one and another one. And then I would go get more if I ran out. I would drive drunk to go get more when I ran out. And then I would feel like crap tomorrow
0: and and leo i gotta stop you before you go any further you've hit two big value bombs that i want to comment on and number one is you know when we're feeling good in the morning and you like the mornings like you said that coffee reminds you the morning was just a good day in those mornings, and the good times of your day, you're building up your armor. I think that is fantastic. You know, when it's easy, that is the time where we need to reinforce our tool belts and learn these new skills and strategies because, you know, willpower is finite and exhaustible. And usually at the end of the day, our willpower muscle is just fully tapped out, especially in early, early oh, yeah. sobriety. And the second thing I want to comment upon, I think, I think a pelican just flew across my window because it totally <laughs> escaped my brain, let me think of what we what did you say after that like i right right before I interrupted you. what did you say?
1: I have the memory of like a gnat, so gotcha. uh, what did I say? <laughs> I can't believe I just um, forgot
0: about this um, anyways, I'll come, back to, come back to it too yeah, <laughs> maybe somebody can email me and tell me, or I could just rehear <laughs> hear the episode again. I apologize for that. Cause you you were going somewhere
1: and then add on at the end. Yeah. You were going
0: somewhere (laughs) awesome. And I'm like, Oh, Hey everybody, I'm going to interject and say something here, but okay. (laughs) Sorry about that. Um, No problem. But okay. So what about, you know, you say, say your schedule was just wide open. Like my schedule of dates with girls, you know, would you go to NAA (laughs) meeting or something like that? If you had the open schedule, would you go?
1: I would because I feel like, and I probably would be much more, I am skeptical, skeptical, just like other people have mentioned, you know, the higher power thing. I'm not necessarily, I'm not at all related, but I think that I've gotten to the point where I realize you can get something valuable out of whatever is out there. You can make anything work for you if you have that desire. And if my schedule is open, I would definitely go, but I don't think I would have gotten to that mindset without kind of picking away at my insecurities, you know, hang ups by reading and listening and letting other people kind of pave the way. So that might be hard for someone who doesn't have anything else to fall back on or to kind of reassure them that once they get there, I they're not going to be like stared at and gawked at, you know, oh. <laughs> You're an alcoholic. Wait, oh You all are. We all are. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. it's it. You could. I would have imagined that it'd be super uncomfortable to call myself out like that and go somewhere alone like that. But knowing how I will be received once I get there, from the experiences I've had online and listening to other people tell their stories, it kind of has eased me into that thought process.
0: And I recall what your value mom was, <laughs> but I'm gonna comment on 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 that one first. It sounds like you're ready to do this thing, Leah. You know, nineteen days of sobriety, it's not a lot. And in some aspects, two and a half years of sobriety where I'm at right now is not a lot. But it sounds like you're ready to do this. If you did go an A to an AA meeting, take what you want, leave the rest and focus on the similarities, not the differences. And what you said earlier, you know, but I totally forgot, is my favorite tool in recovery, when I can just think the drink through, play the tape forward, like you said, you pragmatically think, well, what happens when I hit that box of wine? Like You're not going to have one solo cup. You're going to have three or four or the whole box.
1: That's what it was. <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. And it's it's remembering that I woke up today and didn't want to crawl back in bed. I woke up earlier today than I ever, I mean, that's been the best thing for me is my mornings are amazing and it used to not be that way. I used to think I was a night owl because I would start drinking and that made me able to power through being tired, but, and the mornings would suck because I was still drunk or hungover, but now I'm fresh when I wake up and I'm like, I'm taking cold showers to reinforce that. It's just fun. Waking up is fun now, which is ridiculous.
0: Sounds fun minus the cold shower part, but (laughs) yeah. You
1: should try it. It's very, very invigorating. I actually danced and sang the other day when I was doing it. It was like, good. Start your day off with a bang.
0: Yeah, I've, I've actually heard on the Sean Stevenson <laughs> podcast, and I interviewed him on this podcast a long time ago, that it actually helps break down fatty tissue. And I did it, I think, twice where, you know, you do 15 seconds hot and 15 seconds cold on each shoulder. And after that, I was like, no way. I'm done. I'll have fatty tissue on my shoulders because <laughs> this sucks. No way. <laughs> but just like you. All right, fine. <laughs> I used to be a barn owl, and now I'm like a, like a spring robin where the morning times for me are the most peaceful times and my favorite times of the day. And I actually don't like it, you know, right around the summer solstice, which was yesterday that it's early. So early, you know, the sun comes up so early in the morning because I feel like the day is already getting away from me. I like waking up when it's still dark. I've got a couple hours, just relax and drink my coffee and read before my cell phone starts going on, you know, blowing up and things like that. So I totally understand you with, with the early hours and Leah, what's on your bucket list? in recovery what do you want to accomplish with this new life
1: well first and foremost be present and be engaged and mindful I did a lot of research before I started this portion of my journey but just like self-improvement that is kind of the overall theme of anything that might appear on my bucket list get more fit figure out I've kind of gotten to the point where thinking of alcohol I used to just think of it as something that made me feel good but you call it a poison. It it is. It's a chemical. It's terrible. It's in gasoline. It's nasty, nasty stuff. And what other things have I been ingesting that are also nasty, nasty things and just contributing to my overall fatigue and lack of luster? So I'm kind of passionate and want to check that off my list of getting healthy. And other than that, I think just, Spending really quality time with my family and teaching my kids how to enjoy life and live it well. That's basically it. I don't have anything grandiose. I've already done a whole bunch of fun stuff. I want to do the meaningful stuff now.
0: Yeah, that stick horse race sounds pretty sweet. You can cross that off your bucket list.
2: <laughs> it's exactly. definitely on my
0: bucket list now. But <laughs> you know, I don't want to be a negative Ned on the podcast, but alcohol is shit. <laughs> it's pure it poison. <laughs> that stuff sucks. It does. It really is. terrible. And, you know, what's your plan in sobriety moving forward? Walk us through a typical day. And how are you going to get day 20, 21, even day 30?
1: Well, definitely the one day at a time thing. So starting my day, I don't have a rhythm to it yet. But what I would really like to do is wake up even earlier and have like half an hour, not necessarily to meditate, but to just like center myself and think and kind of, project myself through the day so that I can kind of get over the hurdles before they get to me read more research more I'd like to know more about the science behind alcohol and what it does and why it was so attractive for so long and genetics just learning all of that stuff to kind of keep me focused and then listening to you I your podcast should be kind of every day. If you could ramp that up, that'd be great. But if not, that's fine. I'll listen to them on repeat.
0: I'll put that in the suggestions Um, box.
1: (laughs) Thank you. No problem. Staying involved with people who are like-minded, checking in with the people like my brother-in-law, kind of reaching out when I might need something or making sure he doesn't need something. And then that's, that's really how I'm doing it. I would like to add meetings. I kind of gave myself a timeline of, get through this interview and kind of see how I feel how, if I'm running out of resources that are really doing the job. And then maybe next week I start, go to a meeting and then add them in, get involved in a group. I started researching things other than Alcoholics Anonymous, like smart recovery. And there was another one that somebody mentioned on the Cafe RE board. Was it a Refuge? I, it was like SOS, I think. Does that sound familiar? Something that was secular.
0: Yeah. I I think I've heard of uh not ringing a bell actually. But the, the, you know, there's so well, I, many other pathways and it sounds like you've got a pretty yeah. strong recovery portfolio already. But you know, like you mentioned, it's, it can always be you know, bolstered and you can already add more things to it. And you know, we have reached the rapid fire round, Leah. If you could answer these questions Eesh. within thirty to sixty seconds, that would be great. Are you ready? Yes. All right, Leah, number one, what was your worst memory from drinking?
1: There was one night where I actually thought I was going to lose my mind. Did a lot of fighting with my husband when we were both drunk. Just, like, all out screaming matches, picking at little things, and I don't know what it was, but he had said something, and I went around my house holding my head going, I think I'm going to lose my mind. I think I'm going to lose my mind. I was losing the grip on reality, and I just, like, shut myself in a closet and sat on the floor and cried, and I was Just, I thought I was never going to come back from it.
2: Wow.
0: Welcome back, Leah. That was pretty
1: bad. (laughs) Thanks.
0: Yeah, you were on the better side of it now. And Leah, we've all heard of that aha moment. Did you ever have an oh shit moment indicating, oh no, I can't control my drinking?
1: Definitely waking up with my hands shaking. That was bad. And then the times in the last year that I would get off of work, go pick up the kids. But right before I picked up the kids, I'd stop to get what we call, my husband and I, a juice box. Those little boxes of wine that have a screw off top that you can drink very conveniently right before you walk in the door.
0: Yeah, 500 so, milliliters. Uh, those things, every time I see those at the town pump, the gas station, I just shudder because that's, I was drinking those when I got my DUI, and those things are just, oh, they're brutal.
1: Yeah, that, and I, you know, those Copa Vina, the little cups with the removable foil lid. They're, I think that's what they're called. They have those by the checkout station at gas stations. And it's just a cup of wine with a foil lid. I was like, Oh, the to go cup. That is there. Marketing to the alcoholic who is driving.
2: Yes. Yeah, I never got one
1: of those, but they exist.
0: <laughs> How does that fly? Like yeah, I mean there's so many things wrong with that, but oh well. Yeah. And then, you know, what's your favorite resource in Recovery Leah? You mentioned a bunch, but what's uh you know, what what are your favorite resources?
1: I, I think I've kind of driven it home. Definitely your podcast. Thank you again. And I think in general, the overall theme for that would be a community or just something to hold on to that's kind of like there when you need it. So if it's a book or a podcast or just looking up things on the Internet, just something you can grab when you need to remind yourself why you're doing it or why you shouldn't drink or what's wrong with drinking.
0: And then in regards to sobriety, Leah, what's the best advice you've ever received?
1: So I thought about this. I had not really, not like one thing, but there are kind of three things that I've either pulled from something I've heard or something someone wrote, and then a little bit of my own idea. Robert Stedman from the Cafe RE group had sent a letter when I joined. And he mentioned that he had a goodbye letter to alcohol that his therapist suggested that he write. So that kind of forced me into this thought of my relationship with alcohol is over, which is fine because relationships end. And we had a good run, but it's time to break up, Um, which kind of leads me to the thought of tons of people in this world don't drink and they live life very well. So it certainly can't be necessary. So I'll be fine without it. And lastly, if I need it, alcohol will be there. It'll be there if this life doesn't work out for me and I have to go back to it, but I don't ever have plans on that being the case.
0: Yeah, those are three profound pieces of advice you've received. And and what parting piece of guidance can you give to listeners who are in early recovery or thinking about quitting drinking?
1: If you're thinking about it, keep thinking about it. The more you think about it, the more you're going to realize it's. Probably something you need to do. I don't think that anyone can really force you into it. So you've got to get there, and you'll get there on your own time, if need be.
2: Yeah,
0: Just, you've got to want yeah. it for sure.
1: And that's that's how I got to where I am. I, I re- do the research, look into what you're doing to yourself, and look around to the people you know and your family and ask yourself if this is the way you want to live forever because if you keep going, it's going to be harder.
0: And before we depart, Leah, give listeners your own customized, you might be an alcoholic if line.
1: You might be an alcoholic if the running joke is that you fall asleep on the toilet a lot.
0: <laughs> Multiple times?
1: Multiple times. There are pictures. Yeah.
0: Do you have at least <laughs> have like a, like a padded seat cover?
1: Nope. You know, you drink a lot of beer or wine, and you have to pee a lot, and you go in there, and it's comfortable, and you happen (laughs) to have a heater over your toilet, and you lean against the wall or lean over and go to sleep.
0: Oh, yeah, you got the heater, the wall's close. Now I get it. Now I totally get it. (laughs) I love it. Well, Leah, thank you so (laughs) much for joining us on the Recovery Elevator podcast. I thank you sincerely for helping me stay sober.
1: Thank you for helping me.
0: The other day, I got an email from a listener saying, I need help. He left his number, so I gave him a call. He started telling me his story, and man, it's tough. It's hard to hear this stuff. And I've been on many of these phone calls, and I like to just listen, but this gentleman proceeded to tell me how much he has lost due to this addiction, due to alcohol, and it was no short list. And after rattling off a long list of painful losses, he goes, yeah, you know what, I'm I'm thinking about going to an meeting next week but I surprised myself. Usually I just listen on these phone calls, but I had to interject. I said, whoa, 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 let me get something correct. You're thinking about going to an AE meeting. You've just lost everything in your life. And you're thinking about going to an A meeting. Like I mentioned, I surprised myself because it was unsympathetic. And I apologized to this gentleman shortly after, but being removed from a drink for nearly three years and hearing the It sounds completely asinine, but all I need to do is think back to when I was drinking. And yeah, I did and said the exact same thing. I was in so much pain, and I had lost so much, but I still wasn't ready to do anything about it. Our vision is so blurred when we are drinking, when we are in the middle of our addiction, that oftentimes the correct path or a healthy path is hard to see. But since I was removed from the conversation, it was very clear that, yeah, An AA meeting would probably be a good idea right about now. And I did get a text from this gentleman. He's on day two today. And if you aren't listening to this podcast, I want you to know that you can do this. And I'm in your corner 100%. Okay, recovery elevator. We took the elevator down. We got to take the stairs back up. We can do this.